Do you ever feel that you have two forces at war within yourself? Two voices, drives, one tugging you in one direction, the other in another direction. Rest assured, you're not alone. We all deal with these conflicts within our psyches. And when I say conflict, not always is it drastic, but sometimes it's very extreme. And so much part of who we really are. So please join me. Our physicality and spirituality at war. And discover that we indeed have two voices, two souls. Forces that will be with you your entire life. And learning how they work and how they function will help you navigate them. And even reconcile them. Harness them toward one objective the success of your life, actualizing your great potential and fulfilling the purpose of your existence. Hi, Simon Jacobson here. Welcome. We will be discussing our physicality and spirituality at war. This program is dedicated by Donna Pressman in memory of Mildred Solomon and Warren Pallets. An honor to dedicate this class, Donna, to you and family. May we only have simchas, good news, and beautiful things to share. Do you ever feel that you have two voices, two forces, two drives within you, tugging you in different directions, and often in very opposite directions? I'll put it in very simple terms. You may not even be aware of it, but every second of our lives, we have that. So rest assured, you're not alone. And it can manifest in very basic ways, for instance. Someone calls you and says, hey, can you get up 6 o'clock tomorrow morning? We need you to volunteer. We're going to visit some people in need in a hospital or another place. We just need you to come along. 6 o'clock, that's a little early. You sure you need me? And you have a choice right there. Should you give up a little, forego some of your Rest, or do you get up and join and put that work in? You won't regret it afterwards, but at the time, this is a struggle. You're asked for a charitable donation, and you're capable of giving it. And here, too, you start saying, well, I don't know if I can do it right now. Whatever the reason may be, and I'm not judging anyone. But it's not a simple matter. Because at times you say, you know what, I can use that money for my own needs. Maybe I'll... Let it grow, and then I'll give charity. Or in general, just the battle between survival, existence, and service, helping and serving others. 
I'm not going to use the word narcissism, but sometimes it takes on that shape as well, where the focus is more on you taking rather than giving. Why is it important, not just to know who you are and what makes you tick, but it's important because you want to identify your life. There's so many things that happen in our lives that we just let pass, or we ignore them, nonchalantly just moving on. But to live life deliberately means being aware, being cognizant, conscious of your behavior. This doesn't always mean you're going to make the right choice. But be aware that you have these two choices. And indeed, this is a central theme, especially in mystical teachings. But in general, when you look in the chapters in the Torah that we read these weeks, the battle between Jacob and Esau, the twin brothers, is a perpetual battle, and it is the battle between physicality and spirituality. Now, mind you, this is not the battle between good and evil, necessarily. Physicality doesn't mean bad. It just has its own personality. It has its own features. And spirituality doesn't always mean good. You can be spiritually selfish, and spirituality could also be used sometimes in nefarious ways, to manipulate, and so on. Is that real spirituality? You can argue it's not, but it can go in the guise of that. So let's describe that. And I think to do that, we need to look at ourselves. What really defines the human being? And that's not an easy question to answer. What defines the human being? What defines a human life? So we know one thing, we have a body. Very clear. Physical body, starting from a head all the way to the toes, and everything in between limbs and organs and parts. And then when you break it down further, you have the cellular structure, you have the DNA, you have the genetic, etc., etc. That's the body part. Some of it is visible. You talk about your eyes, your ears, your nose, your mouth, senses, taste, touch, sight, sound, taste, touch, and smell. And some of it is not so visible. First of all, there's the internal organs. And then there are the more minute and microscopic parts of us that today we know how important they are. They are the real components that define you, but they're not visible to the eye or generally to empirical observation. There are ways to test it, there are ways to discover, there are ways to identify. And this is why we have today. We have CAT scans, we have sonograms, we have um, MRIs. We have all kinds of forms of way, X-rays. Okay. But if someone were to say, that's all of you, your body, the answer is no. You can have that body intact, and God forbid, it can be a corpse. So there's another part of us, which is a life force. Call it whatever you like, whether you call it chemical, electrical, biological, or spirit, or soul. There's a life force that distinguishes between an intact body and a living body. Just like you look at an appliance, you can have a light bulb, and the light is not, and it's not burning. So the, the bulb is intact. You can have an air conditioner or a refrigerator, other appliances. But if it's not plugged in and there's no juice, no energy, electricity running into it, it won't be active, even though it exists. So for lack of a better way, and I really just want to stay away from semantics, let's call it body and soul. You want to call it inner and outer. You want to call it matter and energy? Perfect. 
The words are not so important, but really I just want to make sure we're resonating and identifying exactly what we're talking about. Now, of course, when it comes to that second part of ourselves, that's far harder to identify because you can't see it in the mirror. The body, at least the outer parts of the body, whether it's the limbs, the organs, the skin, the bones, the different parts of our structures are identifiable. They're empirical. They're in some ways they're tangible or they're easy to recognize, easy to observe. Perhaps with some machinery, with some equipment that we need, instruments. When it comes to the soul or the energy, how do you measure energy? Much harder. First of all, it's not physical. Not something you can just palpably touch and experience, not tangible. But it's still there. We all know what it means to be alive. As a matter of fact, the cessation of very life is not so simple to define. Someone say, what does it feel like being alive? So was that, you feel energetic, you feel motivated. No, just the mere fact that you're alive. The answer is that if you describe a feeling, a sensation, that alone tells you there's a problem. Life should not feel like anything. If you feel light living, meaning you, hear, you feel your heart thumping, or your breath is uh, short, that's already the means that it's not in a perfect alignment. There may be a good reason for it. You exercise or whatever the reason may be. So if you feel any type of sensation, that's already not seamless life. You could say, today I feel I'm in a good mood. Or I feel a little pain here. Or I feel a thud. Or I feel a dull or sharp sensation. But life itself is a seamless flow. Just like when you look at, uh, going back to electricity, when it's energizing an appliance, it shouldn't be flickering, it shouldn't be sparkling, it shouldn't be sparking. It should be just a smooth flow and you just see one entity, a, a, a light bulb that's illuminated, a refrigerator that's refrigerating and cooling food. So what do we know about this uh, soul energy part of ourselves? So we'll use an analogy, it comes from the book of Proverbs, where it says, the soul of a human being is, the, is a divine flame, it's the flame of God. In other words, we're compared to a flame, but a divine flame, and we'll talk about that shortly. When you look at a flame, you study it, you see the flame and the wick is the closest approximation to how your soul and body work, or how the energy and matter work. A wick is very grounded. It actually grounds the flame. A flame on its own is, is restless, flickering. Could be smooth flickering, meaning it's not making any noise, but it still flickers. It defies gravity. It reaches upward. A flame illuminates. It warms its environment. The wick, as I said, is the ground. So if you think of it that way, your energy within you is not just electricity. It actually is a force of transcendence. And here where the two voices come back to what we discussed, or the two souls. One is a spirit that's connected to the wick, to your body and physical needs. You need to eat, to drink, to sleep, to exercise, to do work, relationships. It's very basic. It could be infused with a lot of passion, a lot of spirit and energy that we'll discuss, but on its, very, on, on, its, on, on its own, it's essentially like the wick. 
And it has a voice. And the voice is, I need something. I'm hungry, I need to eat. I'm thirsty, I need to drink. I'm tired, I need to lie down. I need companionship, so you look for someone. The other voice also has needs, but its needs, we'll call them transcendent needs. What is transcendent needs? Something that's not about me. I need something outside of me. I need purpose. I need a mission, a calling. I need something that stimulates and elevates me beyond the pedestrian quotidian of existence, the pedestrian routines of our lives. I need to read a book, listen to music, travel, love, sexuality, intimacy. Yes, faith, spirituality. Anything that lifts the spirit like a flame that helps us experience something beyond ourselves. Now, when you look, for instance, at other species, animals, and definitely plants and uh, mineral, they don't have that second spirit. They have an energy that makes them alive. But you'll never see an animal on earth sitting and meditating on its purpose of existence. All its energy is dedicated to surviving, to breeding, to protecting its young, and to fulfilling the function for which it exists on this earth. Never wavers. A human being has the concept of restlessness. We're not satisfied with animal bliss. I remember as a young boy, first time I ever saw an animal being beyond a pigeon and some rodents or squirrels that we saw in the city, traveling upstate, and I saw cows grazing in the meadow. I was fascinated. I had read about it, I'd seen pictures, I'd seen movies, film, and so on. But I never saw a live cow, maybe in the zoo. Well, in the zoo, I don't even think they show cows, whatever. Anyway, I stopped and decided I want to observe this scene. Maybe 30, 40 cows grazing in a field. They're calm, is what grabbed my attention. It was so calm. Docile. Munching on the grass. And one cow I saw with a little calf. And I said to myself, this is what a cow will do all day and all night, besides when it sleeps. It will eat. It will feed. It's young. It will breed, protect its young. You know, in case of cows, they don't hunt other, they're not predators, but they look for food. And the same thing is with other animals. And I said, wow, what a calm life. These cows don't need therapy. They have no neurosis. Can a human being be that way? And the answer is no. If you try to be that way, that alone will make you restless, that you're not restless. Now, some people are trying to master the art of animal bliss. No conscience, no feelings, no aspirations, no dreams. But can a person live without imagination, without dreams, without, imagi- without uh, aspirations? Look at the mirror. Look at just the, the search for life on other planets. Look at this uh, outer space travel. Spend millions, billions, trillions of dollars. For what re- one reason? To satisfy human curiosity. These cows or other animals live in the same habitats for hundreds of years, for thousands of years. We look to build better homes. We have technologies, better communication tools, better vehicles. We're constantly looking to improve. All of that goes in the category of, yes, of energy, soul, transcendence. It's not always transcendent in nature. Sometimes, you know, you can use a smartphone for your own existential and physical needs. 
But the seeking, the fact that we seek to discover, is coming from the flame within us. Recognizing that alone is redeeming, is liberating. Because you realize that you have something inside of you that's not just about surviving. I can't tell you how many people have told me, how's it going? I'm surviving, I'm managing. Damage control. If I get by the day without anything being hurt and no one being hurt, me not being hurt, I'm happy. What about your dreams that you once had? Your idealism? Eh, you know, you get older, you throw in the towel, become more realistic. But the spirit within you never dies. Even if you become numb and even if you push it aside or you ignore it, it is of a flickering flame, seeking. And that's a true voice within you, as true as the voice that needs to sleep and eat and drink and survive and exist. And there is a battle between them. If the flame would have it its way, it would probably just expire and not even remain grounded. But the wick keeps it grounded. The other way around, if the wick was just a wick, it would never, would never rise, would never transcend. Imagine a life like that. I remember a cardiologist used to come to my classes. He, had a, he was a beautiful soul, beautiful guy. But he had a very difficult life, personal life. He had challenges. And one day he says to me, Rabbi Jacobson, or Simon, I don't remember what he used, what name. He said, can you pray for me to have one day of calm, one day of bliss? I can just wake up and go to sleep at night knowing things are going to be all right. Not always having all these anxieties and tensions and distress so often. So we were friends. So I said to him, you mean a doctor like a, um, like a flat line? She says, no, 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 no. That's not what I'm asking. A flat line, of course, in a cardiogram is not a good sign. It's a sign that the heart stopped. What does a cardiogram look like? Waves. And I explained to him, life is those waves. You want balanced ones. You want harmonious ones. Where it doesn't peak too high and doesn't fall too low. You don't want those peaks and valleys. But what is a heart? It's constant movement. It's like a flame. Contraction, expansion. The flicker of a flame. Inhale and and exhale. You want it to be balanced. Now... When a person has too much tension, that's when it peaks, spikes. So we compartmentalize. But compartmentalization ultimately does create a battle of its own because there will be conflicts. So here's what I want to tell you. At the end of the story is there's no need to compartmentalize. You know why? Because the flame exists also in the wick. Energy and matter are synonymous. E equals mc squared. It's just not obvious. So what's the solution? That's why you'll have schools of thought. Some say the only solution is either asceticism, one extreme, cut yourself off, move to a mountain, move to a very outside of civilization, get away from the rush hours of the marketplace of Wall Street, and live a calm life, an austere life. Many people choose that. Others say, no, live in the material world and compartmentalize from time to time. Find ways to resolve your angst. And I'm here to suggest there's a third approach. 
And the third approach is, on, is understanding a deeper concept that there really no conflict. There is really no conflict. There's an ostensible conflict because spirit and matter are two parts of one reality, and the divine is neither more spiritual is not more spiritual than physical, and that the body and soul can join together. Now, how do you do that? They seem to have two different agendas. One is driven by self, self, me, me, me. Sometimes we can call it by the emotional impulses of your needs. The other is much more reflective, meditative, contemplative. The answer is by spiritualizing the material. And here I introduce to you an idea you may be familiar with, the elevation of the sparks. The mystics put it this way. There's divine sparks we're called spiritual opportunities embedded in every part of your life. Not just when you pray, not just when you have faith, not just when you're, uh, when, you're, um, when, you're, when you're seeking transcendence, but even when you eat a meal, when you're walking and talking and sleeping, within it is embedded fire, flame, energy. And it's our mission is to free that. So, simple example, you're sitting down to a meal, don't say, oh, then now it's not a time for spiritual activity, this is a time for physical activity. Not correct. You can spiritualize that meal. Make sure the food is healthy food, proper food. You make a blessing on it, gratitude. You don't just indulge. And the strength that you get from the food, you think about how am I going to use it to help somebody? And definitely not the opposite. To hurt someone. So suddenly a physical meal becomes a spiritual activity. The same thing you're walking down the street. Let's say you're just taking a walk. But you see, meet someone. You see, oh, they're a little sad. Say something nice to them. And it's not a contradiction. You can do both. Now there will be times where you can't do both. You can't just satisfy your needs. As, as like I said earlier, sleep a little longer and go volunteer. There are times when you have to make choices. But even the times that we're, let's say, doing something for ourselves, we can also include in it something deeper. When you sleep and you say, the strength I get from my sleep I will use during the day to help more people. Or you travel somewhere on vacation and you realize that your footsteps are being led there. So you may go on vacation or you may have went for business. But you look for these opportunities. You look for these unexpected that's where the magic lies, in the unexpected, in the surprising, in the spontaneous interactions. And you never know. Suddenly you hear something you should have heard, or you say something that the other person needed to hear. You make a new friendship. Be open to these surprises. Be open to the unexpected, the things that were not planned. Because that's, like I said, that's where the real transcendence happens. So whatever you're doing, no matter how physical it is, you can always find the spirituality within it. Indeed, the book I wrote toward a meaningful life was really meant, to, in fact, I could say it in one line, was to help us spiritualize every aspect of life. From the moment we're born till we die, and everything in between, our work, our health, our money, our relationships, because everything can be spiritualized. So the flame isn't here and the wick here, you bring them together. And they feed each other. When the physical is being harnessed and you're revealing, redeeming, elevating those divine spiritual opportunities, 
it feeds your soul, your energy. And vice versa, your energy feeds your body. But you have to know who's the captain and who's the ship. The ship shouldn't be telling the captain where to go. The captain tells the ship where to go. So it's the soul, that inner voice that you have, that of transcendence should be directing and saying, okay, now I'm going to eat a meal in a transcendent fashion. My work, I'm going to use not just to make a living, but to help people, to give charity for the money I make, interact with the people I meet, and use it as an opportunity also to spiritualize my work. Like one businessman told me, he actually read in my book, Toward a Meaningful Life, he now has a charity box on his office desk, not just in his home, in his kitchen or wherever, not just in a synagogue, a house of worship, on his desk. And he says it's changed. It's changed the very complexion of people, my meetings, people coming into my office. They start asking what charity box. Before a meeting, we put a few coins in. It refined, that's the word he used, it refined my world, my, my business world create deeper relationships. So there's millions of ways of doing this. I'm just making some suggestions. And come to realize that, no, this isn't a perpetual battle that needs to remain a battle. It begins as a battle. To come to realize that we can bring these two voices, these two forces, these two souls together in a glorious dance. Is it always easy? No, it's not always easy. And sometimes we will not succeed in every particular way, but it's a journey is the journey of two brothers, twins, with equal resources, that have very different personalities, but ultimately reconcile, more than just reconcile, join together in a harmony, a harmony between matter and spirit, between matter and energy, between body and soul, between form and function, between the outer and the inner, between the physical and the spiritual. So just like you have letters of a page in a book, those letters are connected to the message that they're delivering in a seamless flow. Just as your musical notes, you play the notes, but it delivers this beautiful music. All of this are examples of where form and function, where body and soul, spirit and matter join together. And then you have that total harmony and synergy that's stronger than the sum of the parts. May you be blessed, may I be blessed, may all of us be blessed to find that formula. But it's essentially about spiritualizing your material life. Thank you so much. This has been Simon Jacobson. Meaningful Life Center, MeaningfulLife.com is our website. Check it out. And please share. Please share this with others. That's another way of spiritualizing your relationships. And I'd love to hear your feedback, your thoughts, your comments, suggestions. And uh, stay in touch. Check us out, MeaningfulLife.com, with a wide array, a full array of different activities, programs that you can access easily online that discuss and cover literally virtually every topic in life, the entire spectrum. Be well and be blessed. Thank you. This program is brought to you by the Meaningful Life Center. Please help us continue our programs. Make even a small contribution at MeaningfulLife.com slash donate.